welcome to episode 14 of New Zealand Vegan Podcast. This is my the second part of my interview with Gary Francione. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. One of the things that um, you've been doing this for, you know, 25, 30 years or whatever, and I've only been doing this for a little while. And um, yeah. how do you stop yourself from, from being... Um, jaded or frustrated by by the situation because other people what they do is they go out and they get violent because they can't stand it you know maybe they see the light they go vegan and they say oh it's so it's so so wonderful and it's so you know so wonderful to see this truth and and then they look around and they see these billions of animals and these billions of animals and then they go they literally I think go crazy and they get violent and they uh, commit acts of violence and then we're getting this terrible name in the media we have a terrible yeah. representation in the media that's very very troubling and that's why I try very hard when I'm debating people not only to just because I thoroughly believe in the argument but also because I'm fighting against this stereotype of hysterical irrational crazies yeah. had, had, well, you've asked. There are a couple of questions embedded in there. First, I mean, you know, as far as the frustration level is concerned, mm. you know, I'm like everybody else. I get frustrated too. But you know, I always say to myself, well, you know, however frustrated I am, I'm not, you know, I'm not the the cow, you know, that's going to be slaughtered. I'm <laughs> not the the pig that's, you know, in a bad situation. I'm not the animal in the lab. Um, you know, right. however frustrating it is, I, I'm not the victim here. And so, and I think, you know, that's, mm. I, I mean, people always ask me, how do you stop from burning out? And I, I say, I've never been, I, I really, in many ways, never been tempted to burn out uh, because okay. that's a, that's a level of self-indulgence. I don't think any of us can afford, but, um, but the, but the, 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 um, the issue that you're raising about violence, I think is very, very important. And that is, um, I see the problem, Elizabeth, as violence. I, I don't see, you know, the, the problem, the, I live in a world which tolerates a pathological, hideous level of violence, not just against non-humans, but against humans as well. And I want to talk about that before we wrap up today yeah. about the relationship between human rights and animal rights, because I think that's another, another thing that the movement doesn't connect, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, we live in a world of, of just horrible violence, and I see the problem as violence, and I do not see violence as the solution to violence. I mean, as Gandhi said, and Gandhi was right, you know, if if the problem is violence, using vi- you know, if if you if, if you use violence to achieve the end, um, uh, you you will end up with violence at the end. So so it's really sort of counterproductive to you know if 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 the problem is violence by using violence you're never going to get rid of violence and and so as attractive as it may seem it's um it 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 puts you into a a a, a vicious circle that's never going to sort of end and and so um so i think that it's you know i see the problem as violence i see what i'm trying to do as um a movement of peace i mean this is really veganism veganism abolition Peace, all of this sort of. I, I see these things as very, very related. I mean, for example, um, veganism is the application of the principle of abolition to the, one's individual life. If you accept the principle of abolition, um, you know, it, 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 with respect to slavery, you liberate your slaves. You don't have slaves. You, you don't participate in the institution of slavery anymore. If you are an abolitionist with respect to animal exploitation, then you stop consuming animals. You stop participating in the institutions of animal exploitation. 
and and that's just what you do. And so abolition, you know, veganism is the principle of of the uh, is the abolitionist principle applied to to your individual life. But I also see this very much as a notion as 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 part of the peace movement. Um, I'm not interested in violence. Uh, as a matter of fact, I always tell people I'm violently opposed to violence. <laughs> Um, and you know, I'm not interested in violence. I'm not. I'm not interested in judging people. I'm not interested in. I don't wish any of these people. And, and it's. It, I, I. I don't. I think we have to sort of take a step back and realize that the reason why we are in the mess that we are in, and we are in a mess. We are in a mess because we countenance violence. We are in a mess because we. You know. We. 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 Can see things. You know. It's interesting to me. Um. When I think about how standards of violence have changed in the time I've been on the planet, um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, a movie in which a few people got shot, you had to be 16 years old to get into because it was restricted. And, and you know, it was uh, m- movies that are now, ra- you know, rated for families or for, you know, for, for young young teenagers or whatever were movies that were had restricted admission when I was uh, a kid and and um, and now the level of violence in films in films where you don 't even have to be sixteen to get into them are just phenomenal um, you know we, we we have we have wars going on we have you know we have i mean i I saw something the other day with something like twenty seven thousand children die every day of malnutrition in this world i mean there's something terribly wrong with that, and we really do need to be thinking outside the box. And thinking outside the box is rejecting violence. And and so so I, I think that you know the the, the folks who are frustrated uh, about what goes on with animals, the one thing I can tell you is you're never going to really make a difference by doing anything violent. If anything, you alienate more people that way. What I find really troubling is a lot of these people who do violence, a lot of these animal liberation front people, they're not even vegans. And you know what? I just think it's ridiculous. I mean, it's like. That, you know, I've I've seen, I, I know because I've gotten emails from people uh, who criticize my my views about violence, and they say, you know, I hate your you know your views about violence are terrible, and you know you're you're terrible because you really? don't promote violence. Oh yeah, I get quite. A, as a matter of fact, um, there are two issues that I get a lot of mail from animal people on. One is um, my positions against violence uh, result in my getting a lot of animal people writing to me, or a lot of who, people who claim to be animal people writing to me criticizing my views and there are websites that are devoted to criticizing my views on violence i mean you know there's i i i got, I, I got a few you know people have been sending me some urls of some recent nonsense of um this adolescent chest pounding and heavy breathing in favor of violence and and um you know and 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 criticizing me and saying that you know calling me peace nick and all this sort of stuff and whatnot which is fine i'm glad i mean i'm happy to be no i'm mm. i'm quite proud i'm quite quite proud to be identified as a peace nick um uh, <laughs> you know it's somewhat it's somewhat superficial and simplistic but you know um yeah i want to be associated with nonviolence because yeah. it's extremely important and and um so i get a lot of i get a lot of um of 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 criticism about that um and then when i i, I don't engage most of these people uh, because they don't really interest me but but to the extent that i have have in the past, uh, what's come out in some of my exchanges with them is that, is that many of them are not even vegans. So you know they're always talking about you know let's do this and let, let, you know we've got to be violent, we've got to do this, we've got to do that, um, and they're not even vegan. So I mean, come on, give me a break. I mean, even if they were vegans, it wouldn't make any difference. I wouldn't support violence. But but what I find, you know, it's 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 sort of like the the question when somebody comes up to me and starts asking me about you know saying they have cats. 
and what do they do? How do they feed cats a vegan diet? I always ask them, are you vegan? And I would say 70% of the time I have people say to me, no, I'm not a vegan. And my response is always, well, let's, let's get you to become vegan first. Then we'll worry about your cat. <laughs> um, you know, but I mean, what the hell are you wasting my time asking me about vegan cats for when you're not even vegan? Yeah. You know, and, and the other thing that I get a lot of mail from animal people on is my position that I don't think we should, we should be bringing domesticated animals into the world at all, including dogs and cats. And yeah. I get a lot of, a, a lot of, um, a lot of animal people get very upset when I say that and mm. they think that it is, uh, it's bad for me to say that because they think it sounds too radical. And my view is, no, no, absolutely not. If there were, look, I live with four rescued dogs. We've had up to seven. Yeah. Uh, we've lost three of them in the past couple of years, but we have four rescued dogs and, and there's nobody on the planet who loves dogs more than I do. And if there were two dogs left on the planet and it were up to me as to whether they continue to reproduce so that we could have pets, the answer is no way. Yeah. Uh, and animal people get very upset when I say that. But I, I really – I think the whole institution of pets – I mean it, it – it, it, look – my dogs are completely vulnerable. They're completely dependent on me. They're completely dependent on you know, when they when, depend on me when they eat, when they sleep, when they go to the bathroom. If I get you know if I get uh, uh, you know uh, uh, you know if I become distracted and I you know end up doing a you know ten hour interview with New Zealand <laughs> vegan and I sort of forget to put water in their dishes, well they you know they're just out of luck, aren't they? And, yep. and in a sense they they live in this you know what I call this nether world of vulnerability. They're not really part of the animal world and they're not really part of the human world. Yep. And I really think it's tragic yeah and if you wanted to kill them tomorrow guess what absolutely no i have complete power over their lives yeah. i don't i mean i love them but I, I would be happier in a world in which we didn't have any domestic animals none whatsoever we shouldn't live with animals we should have there should be wild animals out there we should leave them alone we should leave their habitat alone but that should be it it should be you know them on you know them in their world and us in our world and and I you know we shouldn't really be bringing them into our world through this this really nasty institution called domestication but the domestication issue and the violence issue are the two things that I get an awful lot of of uh, criticism from the animal people from uh, uh, about because I mean I I, I really you know I just I really don't understand this 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 fascination with violence and I, and I really do see a lot of it as as um, sort of adolescent chest pounding and heavy breathing you know it's it's ju you? it's juvenile it really is juvenile you, you don't see it as as people kind of so they're not vegans who are doing the violence well uh, well uh, some of them are i mean uh, uh. you know some of them aren't. i mean uh, uh, you know i i don't i mean so i'm sure some of them are i don't know i mean yeah. i you know i, I all I know is that there have been discussions in the past um, about the fact that a lot of the, quote, direct action, end quote, people are not even vegans. So, you know, I mean, my view is, look, let me be real clear. It wouldn't matter to me whether they were vegans or whether they weren't vegans. I don't right. really care. Right. I it's... will not support violence. No how, no way. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't understand the th I don't understand what these people are thinking about. I don't understand what they think they're going to do. I don't understand. I mean, first of all, I think it's immoral. I think that it's inconsistent with what I understand to be um, – you know the the basic premise of the abolitionist approach, at least as I've developed it in the years that I've been working on it and developing it, is basically the principle of nonviolence. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's the, you know for me, nonviolence is key. But, but even even if you sort of don't accept the theory of nonviolence, it would seem to me that as a practical matter, um, there is no social context in which vi I mean, look, Elizabeth, you and I live in a world where where ninety nine percent of the people think that it's perfectly all right to inflict horrendous pain suffering death on animals because they enjoy the taste of them. Yeah. So when people are engaging in violent actions, particularly, I mean, a lot of these things are directed against vivisection. Well, 
I don't believe that any vivisection can be justified. I don't care what I don't I, I, I you know I don't believe in any animal exploitation, and I don't think any vivisection can be justified. But the bottom line is the use of animals to cure serious illnesses, which I think is stupid both causally and unjustifiable morally. Nevertheless, it's the only use of animals we make that isn't transparently frivolous. Um, and, and therefore, if people are willing to tolerate animal exploitation for transparently frivolous purposes, doing violence against people who are engaging in, in, in the use of animals in a non-obviously transparently frivolous way is not going to resonate. It's not going to be – do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, it's not good gonna point. Be, you know, it's not going to be comprehensible for most people. And so I think when, when, when people you know, pick up the newspaper and they see that, well, you know, uh, um, uh, you know people who run a particular animal – Animal exploitation laboratory. Huntington, or a, Huntington Lab. Hunting, Huntington is the one that comes to mind. Yeah, I mean the idea that that people are going to be simple, that that sort of violent action is going to is going to resonate with people and is going to cause them to become sympathetic to the you know to to, to the animal rights position is. I don't even understand that level of confusion. I can't understand why anybody thinks that that's the case. And you know what? You shut down Huntington, and you know what all that happens is? It just the production moves to a different company. Yeah. That's all. Nothing yeah. happens except everybody ends up thinking animal rights people are are, are crazy and in favor of violence. And, and they get put in jail, really. They get exactly, exactly. I mean, I, don't, I really don't understand what, what the logic of this is. It just it makes no sense to me. And, I, you know, so my view is, is that, look, you know, it's part, as far as I'm concerned, this is, this is part of the peace movement. This is part, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm interested in opposing violence. I see violence as, I don't want to say see violence as the enemy because that's a very sort of male way of describing the universe of, you know, enemies, you know, whatnot. But, but, but I, you know, I, I do see violence as the problem. And violence is the problem to be solved. And you don't solve a problem by perpetuating it. Yeah. Okay. That 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 was that was the simple truth that Gandhi formulated when he was when he was when he was articulating his views of nonviolence. He said, you know, it's just common sense. If you are opposed to violence, using violence to end violence will will guarantee that violence will never be ended. And he was, you know, that's so you don't need a PhD in philosophy to understand that what you need is common sense. Yeah, and also what we're doing to animals. I mean, the very acts that we're doing against them is is, is pure violence. Um, I remember once you said somebody who's eating meat is in, in, or who eats animal products is engaging in violence three times a day, seven days a week. That's you right. Know? And anybody who says they're a pacifist and who is not a vegan needs to take a good look because when you, you can't say some kinds of violence are okay if you're a pacifist. Well, I'm a pacifist about violence against humans, but I'm not a pacifist about violence against animals. Well, I, yeah, I agree. I don't think that you could, you know, really, I don't think you understand the concept of peace. Um, and, exactly. And, and, you know, one of the things I find really troubling about these these pro-violence people is they say well they want to use violence against animal exploiters well who the hell's an animal exploiter i mean i mean i would imagine that most of these people have family members who are not given that a lot of them aren't vegans i would suspect that you know that they also have family members who aren't vegan what are they going to do are they going to start bombing their mothers and fathers Mm. because you know because because uh, their mothers and fathers are animal exploiters. I mean, who's an animal exploiter? I mean, but I mean, I mean, you, you know, the reality is, most of the people who are involved in factory farming, for example, they, they don't care about fact. I mean, these are people who would move their capital to something else if they thought they could make more money. 
The only reason why people engage in farming animals is they make a buck off of it. Yeah. And so, and and you know, and and why do they make a buck off of it? Because all of the animal exploiters who eat the animals may, have demands. They create a demand for animal products. Well, the animal exploiters really, the ones that are really the problem, are those of us who eat the products. Those of us who are creating the demand. We are the animal exploiters. So I just get. I, I mean, when I listen to these 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 people talk about, you know, when I when I read this stuff about promoting violence, I say, I, what are these people talking about? Who are the animal exploiters? What are we talking about here? Yeah. You know, and, and so I think it's just really important, you know, that that that, um, you know, we've got I mean, I, I have to tell you, I, I um, uh, uh, it was last year, maybe two years ago, 60 Minutes, which is a big news program yeah. in the States. They had they interviewed a guy, Jerry Vlasic. And and Jerry Vlasic is a doctor, and he should know better. And and he made the statement on television that he thought it was all right to use lethal violence against people who were doing animal experiments or whatever. I mean, you know, I, I mean, and I was thinking, I can't, you know, I mean, this is so troubling to me because people who are watching this are saying, okay, if you're opposed to animal exploitation, then you're the sort of person who maintains that we ought to be using deadly physical force against people who yeah. are doing, you know, who are engaging in animal exploitation. And the answer is, look, they do it because the rest, I mean, the people... People are doing animal experiments because they think wrongly in my view, but they think that those things, those animal experiments will causally lead to cures for diseases. And the reason why they are doing that stuff is because we live in a culture where people are not willing to take care of themselves. They're not willing to do moderate exercise. They're not willing to have a healthy diet. They demand they demand magic cures. They want magic. They want instant cure. The demand is there from a population that just doesn't care about, you know, I mean, they, they want to be able to, to go to the doctor and get a pill to make it all go away. Um, why are the farmers doing it? Because we are creating the demand. Why are the furriers doing it? Because we are creating the demand. We are the animal exploiters. We are the ones who are creating the problem. The exploiters are simply capitalists who are reacting to demand, and that's all they are. And, and that, goes for the, that goes for the scientific establishment, too, because in the end, those people are all part of, of a, of a – I mean, the, those, part, those people are all part of, a, uh, uh, of an enormously wealthy money-making enterprise called sure. biomedical research, which is as much of a business as, as, as factory farming is. But basically, these people are all business people, and they are engaged in – what they're doing because of the demands that we place on them. But we're ultimately the exploiter. So if you tell me we're going to be doing, you know, we, we believe that it's justifiable to engage in violence against animal exploiters. Well, you know what? Look to the person at your right and look at the person at your left because they are the animal exploiters. And if you aren't a vegan, you are an animal exploiter. Yeah. Very good point. I think that's, that's amazing. And it is, I think, you know, the more people that we get who are, who who say those kinds of things? I mean, I try to make it very clear when when I meet people and I say I'm a vegan, I'm an animal rights activist, and you know I haven't been shunned by anybody. Um, everybody always wants me to come and hang out. Um, they know that I'm going to talk about these things, but um, I try not to be accusatory, and they like my company. But the image out there is astonishingly bad. And I was telling talking to Jordan actually about a um, 
an interview that a, a TV show, and one of the themes was that this group of um, animal activists blows up a laboratory, and the cops have to get involved in that kind of thing. And that is very common commonplace. And I think that the the ones that make it to the media and the ones that get the attention, and like, is whenever Peter gets on the news, it's because they attacked Lindsay Lohan for wearing a fur coat, or they went down the runway after Giselle Bundchen and threw stuff on her. You know what I mean? And um, I think that there's really probably not much we can do about what they do. We just have to. Well, look. I mean, I want to. I want to. I want to um, make. Two, well, uh, before I go on to make the point I, I was going to make about yeah. you know what we do about PETA with Lindsay Lohan and you know what whatnot. I, I want to emphasize to people that every day you get up. You have an opportunity to influence somebody, and you know we've got to get away from this idea that we need leaders. Um, you know, p- people keep always saying to me, "Why don't I start my own group?" And um, and I I always respond by saying, "I would rather be dead." Uh, and and because I really think we need to get away from this concept of 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 you know, I mean, look, I you know, I'm not suggesting that you or anybody else accept what I say. I put my arguments out there. If you think they're valid arguments, they're valid arguments. Um, you know, if somebody says two plus two equals four, you know, it's either that's either right or wrong, and it's not a question of who says it. If my arguments are logically valid, if they hold together, then it's irrelevant whether I'm saying them or whether somebody else is saying them. Right. I'm not suggesting that you or anybody else um, accept what I say. As a matter of fact, I'm perfectly happy to debate people um, if I can if I can find <laughs> if I can find people with disagree with me who are willing to debate with me. Yeah, I'm more than happy to. Debate. And and uh, so I'm all in favor of uh, of that sort of thing. Um, but uh, I, you know, but I think we got to get away from the concept of you know we need leaders. Each of us has to be a leader. We have to get away from this hierarchical concept because, in a sense, that's part of the problem as well. Yeah. We have to get away from the hierarchical concept, and each one of us ha- is a potential agent for for great change. You know, every day there isn't a day that goes by I don't talk about this. Now, obviously, because. Uh, uh, you know, because I've been doing this for a long time, and because um, you know, I do things like this podcast, and I have the blog, and I write books, and I, you know, I'm a professor in a university, and I teach this stuff in classes and stuff, and I give lectures at other universities, and blah 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 blah. I have, I have uh, a certain uh, 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 sort of scope of fora available to me that most other people don't. But everybody has has an ability to influence other people. Let me give you an example of of uh, of what I'm talking about. I'll be sitting in a vet's office, and I'm sitting there with some, you know, I'm waiting, waiting to see the vet, and, I, and I'm sitting there with somebody who's got, you know, dog or cat with him or her. And I, and I'll just give you an example of of a conversation that happened a couple weeks ago. I was waiting to see my vet, and there was a woman in there sitting there with her cat, and she was, um, you know, she had the cat in a little carrier, and and um, and I said, what's wrong? What's wrong with your with your cat? And she said, well, you know, we're not sure. She hasn't been eating well. And, we, you know, past couple days we're worried, you know, she may have an obstruction. We don't know if it's a, you know, bad obstruction or something that can be gotten rid of fairly quickly. And, you know, we had an x-ray and it doesn't look good. But, you know, I let her, you know, she talked for a little bit. And and, and I said, you know, I said, it's amazing how how much, you know, we, we love these animals, isn't it? And she said, absolutely. She said, I adore this animal. She said, I've got two kids. And she said, you know, she said, I can, I consider this cat, my third kid. And, and she said, I really love this cat. And, and, and I said, you know, I said, I said, this, the really strange thing is that when you think about it is how much we love animals on one hand and on the other hand, how much we live in a society 
which which commodifies animals and just treats them like garbage. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I said, think about it. I said, what's the difference between your cat and the cows and the pigs and the chickens that we eat? And she, she looked at me and she said, well, that's an interesting question. And we started talking about that. And we had about 20 minutes before I got called in for my vet appointment. But but when I when I left, she was still sitting there because obviously I, I was leaving and she was about to go in. And she said, you know, she said, what you said was very interesting. And she said, um, here's my number. I'd like to continue the discussion. And I had another discussion with her and I sent a copy of one of, one of my books. And um, I got an email from her a couple of days ago saying, I don't know exactly what to make of all of this, but I think you're going to actually push me into being a vegan. And I wrote back to her and I said, um, I don't want to push you into anything. Because pushing people, I said, I said, and I said, I'm sure you're using that expression you know, colloquially. I said, but the important thing is, is that you see it's the right thing to do. Right. Uh, and but but you see that comes out of one 20 minute conversation in a vet's office. And 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 what I'm telling you is every single day, you know, I'll be sitting in an airplane, you know, and I'm sitting next to somebody and I get my special meal when they, you know, when you know because I have the vegan meals and and so you get your meal first and somebody says to me, "Oh, do you have an allergy?" and I say, "No, no, I I'm a vegan." Oh really? You don't need any animal? No, I don't need any animal. Why is that? For is that for health reasons? I, no, no. Actually, it's because I like animals. Well, I like animals, and then I end up in discussion with that person. So, so, so the thing is, is that I, I, I try to use every opportunity I can to talk about this with people. And I, I, you know, not only do I do things like your podcast or radio shows or 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 books or lectures or whatever, but I have individual conversations with people every single day of my life. Every single day, you know, I go to my, you know, if I go for, you know, uh, if I go to a chiropractor for an adjustment, you know, I end up talking about veganism while I'm there. When I, if I go, you know, when I'm in the supermarket, uh, you know, if somebody asks me about stuff I'm eating or, or, or points out, you know, says, gee, you know, uh, you look like you have a healthy diet. I say, well, I'm a vegan. Right. And they say, Really, you know, what's that mean? And I just I discuss with them. I I talk with everybody I can, and you can do that. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to to, to do anything special to be able to, you know. Look, my view is I've been saying this now for a long time that veganism is the most important form of activism if you care about the issue of nonviolence and if you care about the issue of peace and if you care about the issue of animal exploitation. So as far as I'm concerned, if you're a vegan and you don't do anything more, I'm happy with you. I wish you would do more, but yeah. I'm happy with you. Yeah. Um, but if you want to do more, there are tons and tons and tons and tons of opportunities to do more. And, and that's why I just – you know. I created that website. Anna and I worked hard on that website to try to sort of create something that was user friendly, and where people could go. You know, look, you got to be willing to spend a few hours looking at the video presentations, which are very simple. They are designed to be very simple and sort of really burn the 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 the, the theory into your mind without too many you know too many complicated concepts uh-uh. and. and and so, you know, that's what we try to do, and that's what we try to do with everything on the site. That's what what I tried to do when, you know, we wrote that pamphlet, um, and that pamphlet's now being distributed all over the world. It's it, it, anybody with a printer can print it out. Yes, I have. <laughs> you know, it's 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 you know, if you have a double sided printer, you can do it on one piece of paper. 
uh, and and um, you know, and it's being distributed all over the place. As I said, it's in Japanese, it's in Dutch, it's in Danish, it's in Greek, it's in it's in French, it's in Spanish, it's Italian, it's Portuguese, it's in Polish, um, you know, and it's being distributed all over the place. So you can print those things out and go to the mall. You know, I mean, make sure you get make sure you get permission of the property owner so yeah. you don't get arrested, but. <laughs> You know, pass the pass literature out. You can, you know, you there are all sorts of things that people can do. You know, a, a couple of years ago, I was in Spain, not you know, a, a country which is not known for its, you know, uh, 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 for for its great, you know, veganism. And and I was in Valencia. I was giving some lectures at the University of Valencia, and I met a group of activists while I was there, who every I think it was Saturday. Every Saturday, the, Valencia is a beautiful city, and they they have this wonderful sort of public area where. Um, every I think it's every Saturday, maybe it's every Sunday, but it's one of the weekend days. Everybody, you know, puts a table out and they pass out literature or they sell, you know, bracelets that they make. You know, it's sort of like a, 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 like a little market. Yeah. It's a market. And this group of, of animal advocates, every week they had a table set up and they passed out abolitionist literature. They passed out non you know, stuff on nonviolence, and they oftentimes would have some vegan food samples that they would give out to people so people could see how tasty vegan food was. And 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 somebody, one of the other uh, uh, activists or advocates or whatever you want to call them, said to me, "Well, you know." What other sorts of activism can people do that sort of are more active, you know, than what these people are doing? Here? And I said, what these people are doing is perfect. This is exactly what they should be doing. Every week they're educating people about abolition, the abolition of animal exploitation, the futility of animal welfare regulation, the relationship between human rights and animal rights, the importance of nonviolence, and on top of it all, they're passing out food samples. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that is activism. That is the most important form of activism. And you know what? Anybody can do that. Yeah, I Anybody know. Anybody can do that. You don't need a multi-zillion dollar organization in back of you. You don't need a lot of money yourself. It is something that you can do on a shoestring. You can do it with a relatively small amount of money. You can probably do it on the amount of money that you end up spending on on video games and you know and iPods and all that other sort of stuff. I mean, you know, it's 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 probably or the chick uh, that you're sending to Peter. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because I mean, look. Part of what's happened, Elizabeth, is activism has become sit down and write your check to yes. these organizations. That's not activism. No. That's not active. Not in my and not in my view. Activism is you go vegan, and and if you want to do more, look. As far as I'm concerned, you go vegan, and that's fine. If you want to do more, then go out and educate other people about veganism. Yeah. That doesn't cost you anything. Giving money to these organizations, you might as well take it and you know throw it away because these organizations, I don't, I don't, you know, I have a lot of problems with what they're doing. I mean, I, I, I think, um, I think, as a matter of fact, there is not any, there's no national organization in the United States that I think is is worth any. I, I just don't don't agree. I don't agree with what they do. Again, I'm not criticizing the people who are there. I'm not saying these are bad people or that these people intend to do anything wrong. I just think that they're thinking about the situation is wrong headed. Um, and that it, it's 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 not going to get us anywhere. But but um, but I think it's important to realize each of us is capable of being a leader. Each of us is capable of engaging in in, in you know in, in really changing uh, the way other people think and approach these issues. Um, but we really need to be agents of change. We need to be you know we we, we need to be the change that we want to see in the world, which is something else Gandhi said. Yes. But we need to be that change. We need to be that change. Each of us needs to be that change. So if what we want 
is a world of nonviolence, in a world of no animal exploitation, in a world in, that respects human rights. We need to be those things. And, you know, and that, that, that leads me to an important point that I think needs to be made about the relationship between human rights and animal rights. I think it is, it is appalling to me. That, you know, for example, we say, well, speciesism is bad because it's like racism and sexism, but we're willing to promote sexism. You know, we're willing to use sexism to promote uh, animal rights. I mean, I, I have been appalled. Uh, indeed, one of the there were several reasons why I stopped working with PETA in the early 90s. Uh, this was not the only reason, but it was a primary reason. Was I objected to sexism? As far as I'm concerned, as long as we treat meat like, uh, like you know, like we, women like meat, we're going to continue to treat animals like meat. That's just the way it works. And I, I, you know, my view is is speciesism is is morally unjustifiable in the same way racism is, in the same way sexism is, in the same way heterosexism is, in the same way ageism is, etc., etc., etc. And therefore. I will not use those means. Um, I, I do not. I do not view using racism or sexism um, or anything else or any other form of discrimination as a means to the end of abolishing speciesism. It's like using violence to end violence. Exactly. Exactly. And, and and look, and and sexism is a form of violence, as is racism. I mean, these are they're they're not they're not violence in the same sense as hitting somebody, but they are. Forms of violence in the sense that they 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 injure people, they harm people, and and so I think that um, it's very very important. Uh, I, I mean, I, I I really am appalled actually by these these juvenile and uh, terribly sexist campaigns that PETA promotes, because really in the end they don't. Not that I would. I wouldn't support them even if they did help animals, but they don't do anything to help animals. They're just about promoting PETA. That's all they're about, and and you know it's self promotion of PETA, and and it has nothing to do with you know. I mean, I remember having discussions with PETA folks in the late '90s, in the late uh, '80s, rather early '90s, um, in which I was objecting to the "I'd rather go naked than wear fur" campaign. And the bottom line is, the fur industry is stronger in 2009 than it than it's ever been. And so, um, you know, the I'd rather go naked than wear fur campaign ain't working. Even if it did, I wouldn't think it's all right. But but it ain't working. You know, it's just not working. And and, um, you know, eroticizing the fur issue is not a way of of getting rid of the fur issue. And, you know, I also I mean, I, I don't even you know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't even distinguish between fur and leather and wool and silk. I mean, you know, I, I think I've always had problems with the anti fur campaign because the anti fur campaign has largely involved um it's it's been targeted you know women have been the targets of the anti fur campaign and you know there are a lot of animal activists or whatever you want to call them um who will go up to women on the street and confront them about fur coats but they won't do that with men wearing leather jackets cuz they don't want to lose their teeth and <laughs> and i i um and I, I i my view has always been um it's a clothing issue it's not a question of fur so i don't even i don't even talk about the fur issue per se i i talk about the clothing issue um, you know that we ought not to be use animals. We ought not to use animals for clothing, which I realize has now just alienated my New Zealand my New Zealand listeners because of all your sheep industry there. But um, but you know actually I mean there's a huge I mean the, the violence in the wool industry is horrible. Uh, it's just horrible. And uh, you know and 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 leather is horrible and silk is horrible and all of it's horrible. So yeah. you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I bringing that up, there's actually um, on the mainstream news this week on TV3, there was this huge outcry because they're going to, I guess part of the Muslim festival is where they sacrifice a lot of, of live sheep and we're oh. sending a whole bunch of sheep on a, you know, two-week journey on a boat over to uh, Mecca or wherever it is and everybody's outraged, including my landlord who I have had conversations with, um, very, a lot of debate with him um, about veganism and things like that and he said, I'm writing a letter to TV3 and you know and my and my good friend Jordan recommended that I talk about it on my next podcast because everybody's so outraged they showed video of these sheep on this boat and I'm like you all eat sheep you all eat sheep and you all wear wool so you know I really want to use that to, to just say look you know don't you see I mean you know how see how horrible it is what they're doing to these sheep going to Mecca that's what they're doing to the sheep next door that's what they're doing to the sheep down the road that's what they're doing to the sheep that you eat that you make your carpet out of so you know if you are outraged and I try to say you've got to take advantage of that like a lot of people get angry and say well these omnivores you know, they're so hypocritical. On one hand, they're, you know, saying this. On the other hand, they're eating them. And I say, well, that's, we're lucky that they're objecting to that. If they weren't objecting to that, if they thought that was fine, we wouldn't have a hope in, in convincing them to go vegan. So we have to exploit their compassion and point I out. I agree with you. I, I agree with you completely. And I think that, you know, I think that you've got to be very careful with those sorts of, of uh, campaigns which focus on things like um, uh, Ramadan or, or things like that because yeah. – because you know it's easy to always, it's easy to criticize, particularly in two thousand nine. It's really easy to criticize Muslims um, who have become the, the the new sort of you know victim du jour. Um, sure. You know the, the people that the people that everybody feels comfortable about about discriminating against. And and you know I rem- I remember you know it, it was very I, I don't know whether you had it in New Zealand, but certainly in the states there was a period of time where. Um, you couldn't go to your mailbox without, you know, having uh, ten ten different notices from various animal groups about Koreans eating dogs, and you know it was a big it was the big you know the Koreans and the I, I, it was primarily the Koreans, but I think it was the Chinese as well. But it was basically it was it was aimed at the Koreans and the and the Korean dog markets, and I remember um, incurring the wrath of a number of animal people when I um, when I was on a radio show and I I said I thought that I found that those uh, that campaign to be sort of a racist, xenophobic uh, situation. People got very upset with me. And I said, well, look, I said, you know, the Koreans don't fetishize dogs, you know, and the way we fetishize dogs. So, like, you know, I don't think the Koreans should, feti- you know, should eat dogs, but I don't think we should be eating cows, pigs, and chickens. And, and you know, a lot of the people who were, who were really outraged about the Korean dog markets were people who ate meat. So, yeah. like, you know, what the, you know, what's going on here? And so, so, so as far as the, you know, look, I don't think it's great that they're, I, I think it's horrible. I mean, I think it's hideous that they're putting sheep on a, on a ship and sending them, you know, to Mecca or any place else where they're going to be slaughtered. But, but really, in the end, what's the difference between, you know, they spend two weeks on a ship or they spend two weeks in a horrible, hideous before they're slaughtered in New Zealand? You know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I mean, it's it's probably more traumatic for them to be on the ship. Um, you know, to I, I, although I don't even know how one measures that sort of thing. But I mean, yeah. you know, but even even if it is, the bottom line is. The difference between being a sheep who gets shipped off to Mecca and a sheep who doesn't get shipped off to Mecca and ends up, you know, getting slaughtered in New Zealand is de minimis. Yeah. If you care, if you care, you know, if you care about, you know, that's why part of the thing I think is, is, you know, it's, it's sort of like easy to whip up uh, animosity and resentment against Muslims uh, because of that's the way that's the world we live in. But um which I, when I think is unfair, and I think that's unfair, and that's you know that 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 that's unfair to 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 uh, to followers of Islam, and and but but I also think that um, uh, you know I agree with you. We've got to capitalize on that by saying, hey, look, you know, 
if you care, why do you care? I mean, you know, yeah. well, because the animals suffer a lot. Well, they suffer. The ones that you ate last night suffered a lot. Yeah. And they suffer in an awful lot. And the difference between, you know, I mean, some of these, you know, there was there was a movie I, I saw years ago with um, Vanessa Redgrave, who's one of my favorite actresses. And, and, and she, she made a movie. I think it was called Playing for Time. I think that was the name of it. And it was a movie about a woman in a concentration camp in the Second World War, and she's a musician. And she's offered the chance to play in an orchestra that the Nazis, the Nazis used to have, um, you know, uh, music uh, 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 on the way to the gas chamber because it used to, you know, make people feel calmer and, and, and used to, because they didn't tell people they were going to gas them, obviously. And so, um, and so she, she, she's confronted with this, this dilemma of should she, should she play in this, this orchestra uh, it, which will allow her to live longer, but um, on the other hand, what she's doing is is make you know she's 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 uh, uh, in, engaged in this Nazi ruse to make people feel better about about uh, what's going to happen um, in the gas chamber, and and in a sense, these animal welfare reforms, the best of them, are nothing more than putting uh, a, a string band on the way to the gas chamber. And and so you know um, that that's the sort of the, the, the I want to say humor, but that's not the right word. That's the sort of the the sad irony, I guess. Uh, these people who support animal welfare reforms, the, the the most the most radical of the reforms that they're proposing, even if they got through, would would amount to no more than um, you know putting a string band on the way to the gas chamber, or putting an orchestra on the way to the gas chamber. And I think it's really important for people to understand if you care about this issue, if you think animals are members of the moral community, whatever else follows from that from from that recognition is the conclusion that you can't eat them. Um, and you know, particularly when look, you know. Uh, People always ask me, well, if you were in a desert island and there were no, there was no vegetable around, and you you had a choice of eating, you know, a rabbit or or starving to death, would you eat the rabbit? And I said, if you and I were on the desert island and there were no vegetables available, I would kill and eat you. <laughs> um, so so it becomes sort of irrelevant. What I, I mean, you know, in a situation in which you know you were starving to death. And there was some necessity, and there was no other way of, you know, I mean, that's I, completely I, I could, different, I, 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 right? Exactly. But I mean, I mean, given given that, um, you know, we're doing this for no other reason than we we like the taste, or this is traditionally what we do, or this is the stuff our grandmothers used to make. So we're stuck in these stupid traditions. Big deal. I mean, so what? I mean, you know, sexism and racism are mm. two very very time worn traditions. Should we continue them simply because they're traditional? The answer is no. So so I think that we've got to really get away from that way of thinking but but you're a hundred percent right to say we need to capitalize on people's compassion yeah. we need to but but we also need to compa- capitalize on people's sense of justice because it's not just a matter of compassion it's a matter of i think most people really do care about yeah. these issues and they care about them on a number of levels and what our our goal is our our, our task or our challenge is to sort of hit that part of you know, to, to, to get to that part of, of people, to, to sort of ignite that spark. Because 
because you know, are you going to ignite the spark? And everybody, and the answer is no. But you know what? Let's let's try to ignite the spark in everybody we can, and then we'll worry about the ones in another million years. We'll worry about the ones that we can't get to. Let's 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 focus. I mean, I hear I hear this from these animal people all the time. Well, you're not going to convert everybody, and the answer is yes. Duh. Of course, we're not going to convert everybody. But let's let's deal with the people who we can reach now that we you know who who's who's thinking we can influence you know if we're not going to reach everybody what are you busy wasting your time talking to people about cage free eggs for i mean you know if 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 there are some people who don't care you know if there are some people who are so callous that they don't even care about you know they're not even willing to to spend 2 cents more a dozen so that they can get cage free eggs which won't make a difference anyway i mean but but which these animal people claim do make a difference and i think they're wrong but i mean if people aren't willing to to eat cage free eggs this, what do you what are you wasting your time for? But the bottom line is, am I going to turn everybody vegan? Are you going to turn everybody vegan? The answer is no. But there's a hell of a lot of people out there we can influence to go vegan. So let's do that. And then when we get when we have all of those people, when we've succeeded in reaching all of those people, then we'll worry about the people who are harder nuts to crack. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing that's so, the one of the things that keeps me going, you know, I've only just started doing this, is that the wonderfully, wonderfully fantastic thing about, about it is it is a purely individual choice that everybody has this uh, ability, power, you know, control, whatever, over their own life. Anybody over the age of 15 can decide to go vegan. And that's the beauty the beauty about what we're trying to do. If we were trying to start a campaign where we wanted people to overthrow governments or something like that, well, you can't turn around today and say, I'm going to overthrow a government, but you certainly can turn around today on an individual level and say, I'm going to go vegan. So I think that's one that's of the, right. the beauty and, the, and the, the, the thing that keeps me going is that, yeah, and, and then that's what frustrates other people is they say, why aren't they doing it? And I'm like, well, you know, give, the, give them a chance to do it, but talk to everybody that you can. But that's the beauty of it. Is everybody can everybody can do it. There's nothing stopping you. There's nothing. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you one of the reasons they're not doing it. One of the reasons they're not doing it is when you have the so-called father of the animal rights movement, Peter Singer. When you know when you have our father telling us. Uh, you can discharge your moral obligations by being a conscientious omnivore, or you know, making sure that you eat meat that's you know from animals that have been uh, well, well, you know, uh, well treated and re- you know, and, and slaughtered in a relatively painless way. When you have PETA telling you that you know uh, uh, that you know the Kentucky Fried Chicken cares about the welfare of its chickens because it's gassing the chickens, or giving awards to uh, uh, Whole Foods, or giving awards to slaughterhouse designers like Temple Grandin, then that's that's one very powerful reason why people don't go vegan because they have an animal rights movement that's telling them they don't need to do those things, that they can do a lot less. And you know what? The one thing I've learned is if you tell people that they can they can do the right thing by doing less, they won't do more. Yeah. And so if you have an animal movement that's telling them they can do a lot less and, and still satisfy their moral obligations to animals, that's exactly what they will do. And so I think it's really important to to be – straight with people and and to to you know to make it clear that being a flexible vegan i.e. a non-vegan is not you know is not morally justifiable um and and that being a conscientious omnivore doesn't discharge their moral obligations to animals that animal welfare isn't making things better i mean we've got to be more upfront about this stuff and i think people will respond to it i want to comment on something you said about choice because you know look how we treat animals really is does say something about and how we respond to this issue really does say something about how we 
what we think about morality, and I'll tell you why. Um, although morality is a matter of choice and how we decide to live, obviously um, I can choose to kill somebody tonight or not to kill somebody. That's my choice. But if I choose to kill somebody, there will be a response. There will be a social response. I will be prosecuted. Yeah. I will be put in jail. And if I am in the United States and I am in one of the many states that capital punishment, I will be executed. Yeah. Um, and and um, whereas if I choose to eat meat tonight, nobody is going to punish me for it. Yeah, there's no consequences. Um, it, there's no – indeed, indeed um, if I choose not to eat meat tonight, I might incur – some social disapproval from people who think I ought to eat meat or who think that there's something wrong with me because I'm, I don't eat meat or don't eat, consume dairy products or eggs or anything like that. And so um, it is not only – so, so, so how we respond to this issue and how we deal with this issue really does say an awful lot about um, what we think about morality because it involves a moral situation in which the consequences um, – the, the consequences of not doing what most of us agree is the morally right thing to do, because that's really what most most people say. Look, you know, I mean, I, I look, Elizabeth. If I had a nickel for people saying, you know, I really see what you're saying, and I really feel uncomfortable, but I just don't know what to do, and blah blah blah. You know, um, but but the the consequences of not behaving morally are not. You know, there there aren't there aren't any consequences. So so really. It's it's a matter of who you are. I mean, how, how we respond. What I'm trying to say is how we respond to this issue is um, tells us a lot about who we are morally, what sorts of people we are morally, and and I would also say, you know, I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't say anybody over the age of 15. I would say. Um, as soon as you're capable of of making choices and and you know I don't know six seven eight years old whatever um, you know I encourage everybody to make that decision <laughs> um, you, know, to, you know defy your parents become <laughs> yeah and, and uh, you know and 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 the the, the and I, the final thought I, I want to leave you with yeah. is, is this and and I'm happy to answer any of the questions you have and, and maybe we'll do another show in the future and you can have questions that your listeners come up with but cool. but um, I want to say this. Um, I've been doing this for a long time, and I consider it a great privilege. Is it? Is it? You know, is it sometimes? Um, is it sometimes frustrating? The answer is yeah. I mean, what's frustrating is talking to animal people and answering the same question again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Like, you know, don't you care about the animals that are suffering now? Yes. And you know, and having to sort of explain to them, you know, no. If you've read a word of what I've written in the past twenty years. Yes. You know that I think that animal welfare isn't stopping suffering now, so it's it's useless. But, yeah. but um, but I consider it a great privilege. Um, and 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 my view is is that, um, uh, you know, those of us who who um who who accept the abolitionist approach, those of us who sort of have who see things in this way, who have this particular vision, uh, should feel fortunate, um, because the alternative is you walk around confused. And um, and I guess it's better to be. Um, clear and frustrated than uh, ha- than than happy and confused or or or, or, in, or in a state of blissful ignorance or something, yeah. but uh, because as as attractive as that sometimes sometimes seems, we both know it's not really a, a viable uh, alternative, yeah. and so so the thing to do now is um, to be to be you know feel grateful that um, we've come to where we've come to, and and do our best to turn other people onto it. Um, because in many ways, I see it um, as a great, as, as something valuable I want to give to people. 
and and I hope that you see it the same way. Absolutely, I do, and um, I know that you don't, you know, uh, you're not going to start a group or anything, but um, never, I, never, I, ever. I I understand, <laughs> but I do have to just say that you know you were my inspiration. Reading your words woke me up. And um, whether anybody hears me talk about it and wakes up or they hear you talk about it and wake up, like you say, that doesn't matter. That's not the point. But I just want to give you props for changing my life. So thank well, you. Well, it my, it's, my ple- you know, it's my pleasure. But remember something. I'm one person. I did it. I did it, you know, I mean, I did, I worked with groups and, but basically, but, but I can assure you they never did anything to help my work. Um, I mean, I, I, I did, I did legal work for them. They weren't, you know, they weren't doing things for me, but, but, um, but basically, um, it, you know, I am one person who decided, um, to devote, you know, I, instead of, you know, doing, I mean, I teach things other than animals and uh, human rights and animal rights and animal, animal rights uh, stuff. I mean, I, I, um, I teach evidence and criminal law and criminal procedure, and I did practice law when I was younger. But, but um, I gave all that up so that I could do this. I made a conscious decision. But I'm basically one person, and everything I've done, I've done basically, you know, by myself. I mean, we ran, yeah, and with my partner Anna, who is who is um, you know been a vegan with me that whole this whole time. We've yeah. been together for thirty years, and and we ran a clinic uh, for ten years. We ran um, the animal rights clinic at Rutgers, where we 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 um, litigated animal cases, and we had students working with us who were. It was the only one of its kind in the country, indeed, I think, in the world, where students were getting six academic credits uh, in a semester for working with us. Uh, they would they would spend a couple hours a week learning theory, and then they would actually work with us on cases, and we represented. Students who didn't want a vivisector dissected. We represented prisoners who wanted vegan food. We represented um, people who wanted to engage in vegan advocacy, but for various reasons were being frustrated some way or another, and we, we represented them. And we ended up closing the clinic basically because the movement was becoming so welfareist. We were um, – I mean we, 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 we decided to stop it for a lot of different reasons, but, but we, we, our primary reason was that we, you know the movement was becoming so welfareist we were finding it difficult to, 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 to get cases that really fit with our philosophy of, of, um, of trying to take an abolitionist, uh, prohibitionist approach rather than a, than a, a regulationist approach. But, but, but in any event, everything I've done with the website, the books I've written, the website work, all of the podcasts, all of the, all of the writings, I mean, that stuff I do. And, you know, and, and, um, and you, you know, you can make a difference. I can make a difference, but you know what? Everybody who's listening to this can make a difference. You don't have to be me. They don't have to be you. Um, they can be just them. And the first step is go vegan. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So, um, Thank you so much for coming on the show um, and for giving me all this time. And I hope, and that is the last time I'm going to ask you to explain why do you think people say you're not helping the animals now? I hope that nobody ever asks you that question again. Um, Elizabeth, I can can tell you, I can tell you right now. I can tell you right now, as sure as I am sitting here right now, sometime in the next week. I, you know what? It'll probably be sometime in the next forty-eight hours because I get hundreds of emails. Um, uh. You know, but but um, but sometime <laughs> in the next week, I can tell you, I will get an email or or some student will ask me or somebody's going to say to me, I understand what you're saying, but <laughs> you know, isn't it better for us to help the animals who are suffering now? And you know what I will do, Elizabeth? I will smile. I will act as though it is the first time I've heard the question. <laughs> 
because if you get upset with people, you alienate them and you don't educate them. And I will smile. I will act as though it's the first time I've heard the question and I will answer it and I will try to answer it gracefully. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much, Gary. I hope to have you on again um, definitely in the future. And I also hope that if anybody here um, um, wants to debate you, that they can do it. Uh, I'll provide the software and the microphone, and if you provide the time, we'll see if, if anybody's interested in that. Um, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting if you have some animal welfare groups um, in in uh, in New Zealand. I suspect you do. As a matter of fact, I suspect you have nothing but animal welfare groups. <laughs> yes, correct. And and and, and well, because like the re- I'm sure New Zealand's just like the rest of the world, except it's prettier. <laughs> uh, and and um, and so uh, if you have some, uh, I I I would actually, you know. I'd be happy if you have some uh, animal welfare groups there, uh, where the uh, you know the the where the the heads of those groups would like to um, have a frank and full and open discussion about these things. I would be more than happy to do that. I think that would be actually very entertaining and instructive for your listeners. So be in touch with me and let me know. I certainly will. I certainly will. Thank you very much, Gary, and um, I'll right. let you go to enjoy the rest of your day. Take care, Elizabeth. You nice too. talking with you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay, I hope you enjoyed listening to the interview. And if you have any comments or questions or anything to do with this, uh, this these interviews, please email me. Uh, it's nzveganpodcast at me.com. And the blog site is nzveganpodcast.blogspot.com. Bye. <laughs>